Well, good morning. Trust you all had a good holiday season, Christmas, New Year's, all of that. I was away for a week between Christmas and New Year's, and we did the big tour. We went down to St. Thomas and spent a couple of days with Wendy's parents, and then we went to Thamesford and spent a couple of days with my mom and family there, and then we stopped off at Guelph on the way back to visit friends and finally made our way back here and we missed all the snow and tra- like we traveled clear weather every time even when it said there were snow squalls we didn't get any so then there were other people that went north and they traveled down in nothing but snow the whole way they came back and ended up being in closed roads and staying at little motel dives you know overnight because couldn't get through but we didn't have that so I appreciate the blessing of God on my life and I don't understand why you other people have problems <laughs> <laughs> may have to examine yourself. <laughs> That's actually a segue into a sermon I'm going to do in three weeks. Um, so just remember that, and in three weeks you'll know where I'm going. Um, I, was, I was thinking over the, the time between Christmas and New Year's um, about the New Year, obviously, because we're coming up to New Year's and we're coming up to... Um, when we start thinking about taking stock of 2014 and thinking about 2015 and, and who we were and what we did in the past year and what we accomplished and then what we want to accomplish in the year going forward. You know what I'm talking about. You come to that sort of New Year's resolution type time and it's a time, sort of a natural transition, sort of a natural time of reflection. And I was doing that. I was praying and I was reflecting on, on sort of what, what I was going to teach on and where we were going in the new year. And uh, what what I could uh, was on my heart, or what God was putting on my heart to to impart to us as a church family, and uh, uh, over the course of of Christmas and and rolling up to the New Year, uh, one thing sort of kept coming back to me uh, again and again, and so I'm going to spend two weeks, maybe even three weeks on it. And so this is a shorter sermon because we have communion coming up. And so this is sort of an introduction sermon to this idea of how we as Christians, or, or an idea that we as Christians might take from Scripture in order to conform our lives to what God would have intended for us. Especially coming out of this Christmas season when there's been so much consumption and so much focus on, uh, you know, spending on our kids and spending on our family and spending on ourselves and the, the, the TV has been bombarding us with how we deserve it and how we are to reward ourselves and, and we should get what's best. And what kept coming back to me as we go into 2015 uh, of where we've been and where we've come and what we've learned and what to do and, and how we can start over sort of this new chapter, this new year, I kept coming back to this idea of first fruits. And maybe you've heard of the first fruits of Scripture and what first fruits are. And they sound really old-fashioned, like fruitcake or sweetmeats or something, first fruits. It sounds like an old-fashioned word, and it is an old-fashioned word. It's a really old-fashioned idea. It's like, it's like a 4,000-year-old idea, this idea of first fruits. And I kept coming back to this as what they are and how they can transform our lives. And the Apostle Paul talks to us about how all the old stuff, this, this old-fashioned stuff that happened to Israel in the Old Testament is really good for us. He says in 1 Corinthians 10:11, he says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. 
And so Paul, the Apostle Paul there is essentially saying there are these really old things that God did and these really old-fashioned ideas that God taught his people that were stored up for us in Scripture for our benefit now. And so what I'm proposing to you is that this idea of first fruits at the first of the year is one of those old ideas that's stored up for us and it's a good thing for us now. It's just this one little thing that God put into place for his people Israel and for our instruction. And that thing that God put in place is the practice of first fruits. And it's so simple and so much good can come of it and it can affect our lives so deeply if we just understand this simple thing that God gave his people of first fruits. Let me pray. Father God, as we look into your scripture now, I just pray that you would... uh, Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to what you are teaching, even as the Apostle Paul has said. These things were were done as an example, and they were written down for our instruction. That your people, Israel, lived out lives under your sovereignty and under your law, and you taught them and dwelled with them and instructed them and painted instructions for us in huge pictures of a whole nation so that we would know how to apply them to our own personal lives. And so, Father, I just pray that as we look into your word, we would get the message, that we would get the lesson of what you are teaching, and that we would understand that it wasn't just for them, it wasn't just old-fashioned, it wasn't just for long ago. It's a wise, good precept. It is a wise, good truth for our lives today. And so, Father, just open our hearts and our minds to that. As we look into your word, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this first part is a little bit shorter, and um, it's really just a history lesson. It's setting the stage for sort of the meat of the the teaching, which is going to come the next time I preach. But this idea of first fruits, or the first and the best, or first things first, where does that idea come from? It says in Exodus 23, 19, um, if you have your Bibles, you could not go to Exodus, because I'm only going to be there for a minute. You might want to look up Nehemiah 10, because <laughs> that's where I'm going to be, or Numbers 18, I'll be there next. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, you'll find one in front of you. But in Exodus 23:19, it says, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So in the Old Testament, the first fruits idea were closely associated with the tithe, with the tenth. Okay, with the the tenth that God established for all of his people Israel, or most of them, to contribute to the temple and to the Levites, the tribe of Levi, who served in the temple. And so this first part is just a little history refresher so you can understand what I'm talking about when I start talking about first fruits. So when God settled his people Israel in the promised land, you'll remember that the nation of Israel was divided into 12 tribes. There were 11 tribes that God set apart to inherit land, plus one tribe, the Levites, who would serve God. Okay, so there's 12 tribes of Israel. He brings them into the promised land, and he says to 11 of them, you're going to get land, and you're going to work that land, and you're going to make lots of money, and I'm going to prosper you, and it's flowing with milk and honey, and your crops will exceed, and you'll have all these goats and cattle and multiply and all these things. And so he, we get this picture of God's people who were granted land and crops and herds and cities and fields to work, not only for their own sustenance, but then God says of one tribe, Levi, I'm not giving you guys anything. You don't get any land, you don't get any fields, you don't get anything to work, you have no means of supporting yourself because you're just going to serve me. 
You're going to serve my temple. You're going to serve my ministry. You're going to serve um, the kingdom. You're going to do the work that I outline in the law. And so the Levites, and from the Levites come the priests, and the Levites weren't given any land. And so they didn't have any way to support themselves. They were a tribe without any job, so to speak, other than serving God. It was just the work of the temple and the ministry of God to the nations and to the world. And so a couple ideas here. Notice, first of all, just in that arrangement, just the way God set it up, one of the very first lessons is that it was God's intent that the majority of his people would work profitably in the stewardship of creation and in the care of each other. So in other words, it's God's idea that as Christians, as his people, you'll work. That's, that's what he intends for most of his people. The vast majority of people are to work. They're to care for creation. They're to build and, and steward and shape and care and sustain and produce. And the world needs good workers. I mean, the world certainly needs good farmers. And, it, and the world needs good builders. And the world needs good cooks and cleaners and doctors and electricians and truck drivers and teachers. The world needs good workers, and God intends that his people will work. So the first thing that you notice is that God expects the majority of his people to work in his world. So if you have a job and you're making a paycheck and you're doing something useful, you're doing what God wants you to do, good Christian work. Secondly, what we take away from this as well, is that there are people in the people of God that he has set apart for the specific ministry of glorifying God and serving in his kingdom in specific ways and being missionaries to the world and teaching the law and helping people go through the steps of the law in their life and um, helping them learn about God and performing the sacrifices in those days and ministering to the people as it's outlined in Leviticus when they're sick or when these situations are going on and All these different things. And that people, the Levites, in this case, in Israel, they must rely on the 11 tribes to provide the tenth of what is produced in order that the temple and the kingdom work and all that stuff can go ahead. And so the second thing that we notice just from this arrangement is that God expects his people will support the teaching and the training and the ministry and the spreading of his glory in the world. Okay, That's how God arranged it. That's how he did it with the nation of Israel. That's God's heart for his people. The majority work and some are selected to be supported and to to minister to him directly. And so neither is more Christian, neither is more God-glorifying, it's just different roles. And we see that in Numbers 18 to 24. When you're reading in Numbers, he says, For the tithe, or the tenth of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites, to that tribe, for an inheritance, because they don't have anything else. And therefore I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. I didn't give them anything. They don't have anything. And so the 11 tribes support the, the, the one tribe, the 12th, with the tithe. So let me be clear. I'm not specifically talking about the tithe today. Okay, We're not going to take up an offering at the end. I'm not asking for a pledge. Okay, there is no, There's no ulterior motive here. The only motive is that God has acted in his nation and his people Israel, and he's acted in his scripture to teach us something, to motivate us in a way, and to to conform us in a way, and I have that same motivation. So my only motivation here is to take out this idea of, of the tithe and of first fruits and ask myself, namely, and all of us, what is God trying to motivate us to, and what is he trying to instill in us in this teaching of the tithe and of the first fruits. So first fruits, I bring up this about the tithe because first fruits is tied closely to the tithe. 
And so what I've just outlined is the picture painted by God in his people to teach us something, right? Like the Apostle Paul said, these things happened as an example, and these things were written down for our instruction. So this is what God did with his nation of Israel for our instruction as an example. They happened and were written down so that we can know what God's intention is for his people. And so the tithe is just one aspect of first fruits. So that just sort of introduces the idea. It's the idea of first fruits that God expects and that we're going to talk about later. But at the moment, what I want to do is just dig a little bit deeper into what this first stuff is and what the first and the best might be. And that's where we go ahead to Nehemiah 10, verses 35 to 37. Now, this is the people of Israel, again, speaking about themselves and their obligation to the law and to the glory of God. And he says in Nehemiah 10, he says, We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also to bring to the house of God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the first of every tree, the wine and the oil, to the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God. Okay, so that's a, that's a nice, I picked that one because it's a great summary of how the people of Israel viewed their obligation of how they honored the idea of first fruits to God. Okay, that they would bring the first of their ground and the first of every tree and the first of their, their, their cattle and it says they're their firstborn and it's speaking there, it's not taking their firstborn children to the temple to be consumed by the priests, but <laughs> to, to become priests. Uh, the firstborn males had the opportunity to become priests and to serve in the temple, and, uh, and to the wine and the oil and all of that. So that gives us a picture of what they meant by first fruits, how they viewed it. And so the first thing that you want to notice is that the first fruits are first, or the first, they're the first thing, they're not the second. It's not the second fruits, and it's not the last fruits. right? God's instructions were that his people would bring the first. And there's clear implications in that, especially as an agricultural society, especially. Now, I grew up on a farm, so I, I get some of, the, some of the stuff that they talk about in the Scripture because it was an agricultural society, so a lot of the illustrations and the people respond in an agrarian way. And so we had all of our crops, but our, we had a big garden. And our garden, without exaggerating, was probably half an acre. Like, I'm talking 200 feet by 100 feet. That's half an acre, right? Acres 200 by 200. I'm supposed, I supposedly grew up in the metric generation, but I still think in acres. So 200 by 100, that's our garden. So we have this huge garden and all this food and it produces all this food and, and you produce all that food and, and, you, and you store it away for the winter, right? You, you understand the gardening cycle or the agricultural cycle. And we had a root cellar and we had dry bags and so you put turnips and squash and, and, all, and carrots and all that stuff in the root cellar and you put the beans and all that stuff and the corn in the bags and kept it dry. And by the time you got through a long winter living off of this produce... And by the time you then planted in the spring and then the summer growth took place, so you're a long way from last summer, last fall, and you're looking at that garden, that half-acre garden, just bursting with with food. And those carrots and those veggies and those peas and everything, man, they look so much better than those nasty old carrots that are in the back of the root cellar from last year, right? And so you're looking at those nasty old rutabagas and carrots and stuff that are in the back of the cellar, and you're looking at your garden that's right there, and the first fruits of that garden are there for you to take. And God says, I get the first fruits. 
It's the first, not the second. I get the first meal, not the second meal, not the last meal. You don't say, oh, you know, people need some food. I got some nasty old rutabagas in the back of my root cellar. You know, hey, Pat and Jay Shell, how would you like those old carrots? You know, you can live on those. No, that's not what God says. God says those carrots and those those snap peas and those grapes and stuff that are growing in your garden right now, those first fruits, that first harvest, that's what you bring in. You see what I mean? You see what God is saying to his people? The first fruits are for my ministry and for my kingdom. Okay, that's sort of the, the agricultural picture. i got time, so I'll give you another picture. You know, you lived at home all your life, maybe gone to school, had an allowance, whatever, you're in grade 11, 12, whatever, you finally can get employed. You know, you go, you stock shelves, and you realize how much bigger a paycheck is than allowance. You know, what's this 10, 20 bucks? All of a sudden I'm getting a paycheck for 300 bucks? Wow! Right? And so you get that first paycheck and you think, man, the stuff I can do with 300 bucks. And God says, yeah, just easy. That, you don't go blow it all on a PlayStation right away. The first fruits are for me. Right? Or you, you've been living as a student, you've been going through university or college and paying your student fees and living on craft dinner in a basement. And you finally get out and you got your degree and they go and they give you a job and, and, and they say, yeah, here's your starting salary, you know, 45 grand or whatever it is. And you think, whoa, wow, my first paycheck is going to be like $3,000. I can finally buy that whatever. And God says, no, 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 no. The first fruits come to me first to serve my kingdom. It's the first. And I, and I want to teach you something in that. And so he's, he's teaching his people, wait for me and my work. Hold off. Be patient. The first meal comes to me. He says there, even the dough that you need, even the things you produce, the first loaf of bread, the first bottle of wine, the first tenth of that crop comes into my storehouse. The other 90% is coming. The other 90% is coming. But that first 10% is to honor me and do my work in the world and to honor the kingdom. And so the first thing to take from first fruits is just that it's first, okay? And so we need to think about that and how it applies to our lives. The second thing is that the first was also the best. God made it clear that what we brought him was the best, like the example of the carrots and the fresh, you know, vegetables. You know, you weren't to bring anything that was lame, and you weren't to bring anything to God that had any kind of oozing sore, it says in Leviticus. And, and you weren't to bring anything that was blemished, it says in Numbers. And nothing that had been attacked by wild beasts. And uh, Malachi 1.14 talks about this. God, the, the prophet Malachi says, Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. In other words, this he had... A, pristine ram in his flock but what he and he vowed to give first fruits but what he actually gave was he gave the lame or the blemished ram not the good ram and even this has a lesson the first fruits in the offering to god when you think about were essentially the breed stock okay going back to that agricultural system that they're in okay god's asking for the best ram the best bull he's asking for the best lamb and that those are the ones you'd want to keep those are the last ones you'd kill like you're looking at your flock and you got the best bull, you keep that bull and you breed it so that you have tons of other flawless bulls and heifers, right? But God says, no, you take the best and you give it to me. Trust me. You can live without the best. I'll provide more than what the best provides. The perfect and the healthy and the spotless is what honors God. It's what 
is given to God and to his kingdom. God says, the first and the best comes to me for my glory and my ministry and my kingdom. I'm not expecting to get the leftovers from you. I'll provide for you from the 90% if you just give me this 10% of the best first. That's the idea behind first fruits. They're sacrificial. They cost. They come ahead of everything else. They're the best that can be offered. And they are intended to be put to use in God's kingdom by God's chosen workers. Now, God never gives his people instructions for no reason. Okay, and God is not just saying this because, you know, he can and because he's a little bit mean and he's thinking, oh, I'm going to ask these guys to do this and they're going to wonder, why am I asking this? You know, he's got reasons for what he's doing. He's not vindictive. There's a purpose for this. God has a reason for everything he's doing. And everything God gives us to do has a purpose. And in fact, I've found that in everything he does, God is never just doing one thing. He's always doing at least a dozen things. And sometimes God is doing a hundred things and sometimes God is doing a thousand things all at once. God is never just doing one thing. And so when I was studying this and I was kept thinking about it more and more and praying about it more and more, I realized that this single idea of first fruits, God was doing like 20 things in the people of Israel. If you can get latched on to this idea of first fruits, God can do like 20 different things in your life all at once just from this one idea of first fruits. And that's what we're going to talk about more next week so that's just a teaser but we're going to get there when when i when i'm preaching again but but just right now this idea that god outlines such a clear and simple practice as first fruits it's our job to figure out how to apply it and what it's accomplishing and i'm saving most of that as i said for the next sermon but as homework you can you can do on your own or in your own small groups if you're starting up your groups again i'd love you to take this idea of first fruits and think about what god might be able to do with that practice in your life so i'm not going to give you any hints or fill your heads with ideas about how first fruits might apply to you or what it might be doing in your life i want you to think about that and come back when we come back to part 2 of this and we'll and we'll hear some ideas about what first fruits might be doing And I'm curious as to what you come up with in applying the area of first fruits to your life. And let me leave you with one thought of where first fruits might lead us. And it's this. And this is what brings us back to this idea of the first of the year. And brings us back to this idea of sort of this new beginning and and new resolutions and who we are, have been and who we want to be. When we think of who we are as Christians and what we want to accomplish and who we want to be and, and what we might come up with, is a, is a list or a statement that reads something like this. So, so if I'm a Christian and I'm thinking, this is sort of what, I wanna, what I'm aiming at, this is, it might sound something like this. We want to glorify God more and ourselves less. And we want to trust God more and trust ourselves less. And we want to see the kingdom of God advance far more than we see our own kingdoms advance. And we want to see the people near us And that can be near us by family or by town or maybe in our demographic or our age group. But we want to see the people near us ministered to and not neglected. And we want what we do to reflect what God desires and not what we desire. And we want to loosen our grasp on the world and fix our affections more firmly on God. So that that little statement there, that sounds like something that you could say, if if I'm a Christian, those are all things I want, right? So if I'm looking forward in 2015, if I could somehow jump to the end of 2015 and look back on 2015 the way I'm looking back on 2014, if I could jump into the future and look back, that would be a great year if those things happened. 
That would be a great 2015 if we glorified God more and ourselves less, if we trusted God more and trusted ourselves less, if we saw the kingdom of God advance more than we saw our own kingdom advance, if we saw the people nearest ministered to and not neglected, if, if we did if the things we did reflected God's desires rather than our own desires, and if we could loosen our grasp on the world so that we could fix our affections more firmly on God, that would be an awesome year. So I'm just leaving you with that as an idea that I think first fruits is the way God intends for a lot of that to happen. That if we can get this idea of first fruits, God can make all of that stuff and 20 other things happen in your life, 100 things happen in your life just on this idea of first fruits. So that's, that's just a history lesson. That's just a background of where we're going. And we're going to go into communion now. And as was read in that scripture, Jesus is given to us as our first fruit. He is the first fruit of those, that family of God that's going to be redeemed. He's the first example of the resurrection and what God is intending for us. And so as we go into communion now, we can think about Jesus as our first fruit and then what we can honor God with in our first fruits. Let's pray. Father God, we do intend to look more deeply into and to unpack this notion of the first and the best. To look more deeply and unpack this idea of what you instilled in your people, that they would bring the first and the best into the storehouse of your temple, that they would bring the first and the best to bring glory to you and to honor your kingdom and to see ministry work done and, and to see your name spread in glory throughout the world. And Father, as we unpack that in our own hearts and our own lives in the week to come, I pray that we'll do that homework. And as we unpack it more in your scripture in a couple weeks, Father, we also remember that when that word first fruits comes up in the New Testament, it's always talking about Jesus that he is the first and the best, that he is the first of a whole family, a multitude that are going to be redeemed, and that's us. And so we look forward to Jesus as the first fruits of what we can anticipate when we come to worship you in glory. And so, Lord, now as we come to communion, we come to remember that first fruit that's so important, Jesus Christ, his birth, which we've celebrated, the perfect life that he lived that we couldn't live, the death that he died as a perfect sacrifice that nothing else could satisfy, and the resurrection, which was your seal and your promise that your word was true, and that we have nothing but hope to look forward to in glory to follow Jesus in that resurrection. And so we come now to communion, Lord to remember that, to spend time just preparing our hearts in fellowship one with another, to share this table as you intended that we would remember our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Amen.